Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. I tell you what, I love that intro. I don't know that it makes a whole lot of sense, but it just has the feeling that, hey, man, we're getting in the car and we're getting out of here. You know, we're getting on down the road. And that's what this podcast is about, is getting past all the obstacles of life with a sense of peace that comes because Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And if you know him and he's in your life, he is the difference maker. It's a person, not a religion. It's about Jesus Christ. And today I want to share with you a word of hope, courage, and confidence in 2023. That's the title of episode 281. This is season 13. We're on the downhill side of season 13. And with episode 289, that will launch season 14. I'm excited about that, that we're still doing this, that God is giving us favor. And uh, you'll have to excuse me. I've got a little bit of allergies today and I'm fighting it. I'm being successful in the fight, but I sound really nasally, uh, if that makes, if that's a word, uh, nasally. But anyway, this is season 13, episode 281, title, Hope, Courage, Confidence in 2023. Subtitle, Our Fail-Safe Position in the Lord. Our Fail-Safe Position in the Lord. The beginning of a constant, tumultuous life being the norm in America started at the turn of the beginning of the third millennium A.D. Do you realize that? The year 2000 was the beginning of the third millennium in history. And the joy of living in that magical moment of being one of the few civilizations alive to usher in the new millennium, a new millennium, was severely tainted by the great hoax known as Y2K. When we look back on it now, we laugh, putting uh, cases of Denty Moore under our bed and gallons and gallons of water uh, as if somehow that if the world came to a cataclysmic halt, that those cans of Denty Moore and those few gallons of water was going to get us by. But since the invention of the integrated silicon chip in 1959, the workings of the internal clock of the computer was no mystery and the contorted image presented to the world that all the world would stop and come to an end as the internal computer clock clicked over from December 31st, 1999 to January 1, 2000. It was a joke. The hypothesis was the meltdown of the computer world as we know it. Yet, friend, as we see and we know now looking back, it wasn't true. I know of a person in the telecommunication business who made $600 a pop to walk into their customer's business, go to the customer's communication closet, insert a floppy disk, and update the software. A simple procedure that took just a few minutes. The tech companies had a bountiful harvest of quick cash over that scheme. Another friend of mine worked for one of the major telecom communication companies in the world, and they made boatloads of money doing update to the computer systems. But In reality, it was the beginning of the capture of the world's mind toward tension and disaster. And my wife and I have talked many an evening about how life was prior to 9-11 and prior to 2000. And that in our entire past life, we never lived with a sense that someone was perpetually pursuing us. That our central government was perpetually working for our demise, but yet that is a sense that a lot of the people in this country have. 
that there is something constantly waiting around the corner to steal our joy, to steal our peace, to steal our freedom, to steal our individuality. So the massive tragedy of 9-11 happened just a year and nine months later. So fear, terror, war, pandemic, lockdowns, more war, and so it goes. Friend, at times, I realize I personally feel like a broken record regarding the facets of modern life I address on this podcast, but I don't control the incessant wave after wave of mayhem that just keeps rocking our world. And I encourage you, do a research for yourself on the impact that all of this is having on the mental health of our people and our country. And I'm not just talking about our country, but let's start with that. And I encourage you, you really need to do this. Do a Google search for yourself on the massive pandemic now we have within the mental health industry of our people with children all the way to very young ages. Anxiety, depression, and fear are at an all-time high. That's not just me speaking figuratively. That is scientific fact. Pay attention to all the prominent people, the heads of the pack, so to speak, and all of the chief industries of our nation who admit to a severe anxiety and depression that requires medicine to cope. WebMD has an article on celebrities with anxiety, and I'll have the link in the show notes. But it starts out and it says, Oprah Winfrey, one of the wealthiest women on the planet, said in an interview that anxiety nearly caused her to have a nervous breakdown. It then lists people like Stephen Colbert of the nighttime talk show, Courtney Kardashian. And you got to say to yourself, what on earth would Courtney Kardashian have to be anxious about? They're all millionaires, the Kardashians, and, and known across the planet. Freedom to come and go as they please, yet strapped with anxiety. Kristen Stewart, the famous actress Kristen Stewart, Adele, one of the most amazing voices, and friend, I don't just speak this from my own opinion, that all of the musicologists would agree that Adele has one of the most profound voices that has ever been, yet strapped with anxiety. Missy Elliott, a famous musician, you know, really a uh, chart-breaking person, someone who pioneered new ground in the black community, Missy Elliott. Strapped with anxiety, Kim Kardashian, among others, Bruce Springsteen, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, plagued by depression, Naomi Judd, which I've referred to in a previous podcast, half of the greatest female duo duo in country history, country music history, shot herself to death the day before she was to be inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Her suicide note scribbled on a post-it note, defaming her daughter and vocal partner in the duo. Her medicine sheet was a terrible cocktail of pharmaceuticals that attempted to keep her balanced and able to function day to day. Yet, her life story had every reason to be a classic storybook fairy tale. A nurse, single mother of two girls, she forms a singing group with her oldest daughter and ascends to the height of success in a predominantly man's world and the country music business. She had fame, fortune, and great success yet full of anxiety and terrible mental illness. If those of immense wealth, success, and fame are faring so badly, how do you think the rest of us are doing? In episode 279, we looked at and celebrated the comfort David found in God, which is an example for all of us, and it came from having experienced that God's goodness was suitable to the trouble he was in, which provoked him to write Psalm 27. 
And starting in verses 1 and 2, he expresses his comfort. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. As King David reflected on the truth that the Lord is his light, salvation, and stronghold of life, it calmed his fears and sense of dread, resulting in a consistent comfort. And here's today's podcast, and embedded in him courage for the time to come. In Psalm 27, verse 3, he declared, Though a host should encompass me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. To illustrate his fail-safe position in the Lord, he puts forth the case of the greatest danger that could be, him standing his ground in boldness against an entire army encircled around him and sudden attack. The implication here is that the war is crushing its hand-to-hand combat, an intense ambush. Here is great courage for the time to come. Mark this down. Experience breeds hope and confidence. David wasn't such a courageous man of himself, but upon experience of God's former comfort and assistance, his faith broke out as fire out of the smoke, and he states, I will not fear. He looked to his past for great comfort to face the hardships of the future with super confidence of success that flows from a heart of peace and confidence founded on the faithfulness of God. According to the theological word book of the Old Testament, the Hebrew word here translated confidence is one of two words used in the Old Testament to express trust or reliance upon, the other being hasah. The word here is batah. And it expresses that sense of well-being and security, which results from having something or someone in whom to place confidence. The word translated confidence here does not connote that full-orbed intellectual and volitional response to revelation, which is involved in faith, rather stressing the feeling of being safe or secure. Likewise, all the derivatives have the same sense and same meaning to feel secure, so to be unconcerned. In general, the Old Testament contrasts the validity of that sense of confidence which comes from reliance upon God with the folly of any other kind of security. My friend, what comfort and peace we find in a vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus, which transcends every false security that people seek in other humans, wickedness, the exercising of evil and dark practices such as witchcraft, hallucinogenic drugs and Satan worship, violence and oppression, riches, idols, military power, religion, one's own righteousness, or foreign alliances. Friend, when we see God by a spirit of faith and His greatness and power, we see all other things below as nothing. Therefore, David says here in Psalm 27, 3, He cares not for the time to come for any opposition, no, not even the assault by an all-encompassing army. He is not speaking in figurative language here. Friend, this is not hyperbole, but David's reality. The Apostle Paul echoes David's perspective in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, where he says, If God be for us, who can be against us? David saw God in his power, and then, looking from God to the creature, there was no comparison when the prophet Micah had seen God sitting upon his throne. What was wicked Ahab to him? So when the prophet David had seen God once, then he could say, Though a host encamp against me, I will not fear. Thus you have his comfort in the double branch of it, 
his courage, and his confidence for the time to come. Friend, do you have a history to look back on that demonstrates in your own life the light, salvation, and stronghold of God in your life? Do you see it as you look back? Do you recognize it for what it is? Or do you just see a series of coincidences? Do you see the dark providences of God in your life as well as the light providences? Friend, this is a new term for me, but I tell you, it is expansive in thinking. But the dark providences of God are those twisting and turning of life events that appear to say that God has abandoned you or abandoned us, that evil is winning in our life, in the world. Yet in reality, God is laying the groundwork for some excellent work he is about to discover to the world. In other words, some excellent work that he is getting ready to make known. His ends are a higher strain than the aims of men. Joseph in the Old Testament is a perfect example of the dark and mysterious providences of God at work in the world. Joseph's imprisonment was in order for his father Jacob's relief. He was wronged as a step to his advancement. He moved from being a captive to a favorite. All of God's providences are but his touch of the strings of this great instrument of the world. My friend, fearlessness and confidence can be our unwavering life positions as we surf the waves of these turbulent times, because we face these days in the power and strength of our faithful and loving God. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.